Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Above the Bar podcast, where each week we belly up to the bar with a new guest, find out what they do, who they are, and what makes them great. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Above the Bar podcast. We are bellied up to the bar again today. It is Wednesday. The bar is open. If you all are watching the uh, visual side of this, you saw that we had a brand new opening with the new logo. If you're listening to the audio, you also heard that, so you still get it both ways. Uh, just like our one of our guests here, Keith, gets it both ways. Um, so we have this opportunity today. We, we've brought in uh, two experts, one and a half experts in the field. Uh, we're talking today. And Keith is here, too. Exactly. Because we're in uh, slow motion. We, we brought in today somebody who understands a process who, in my opinion, from an entertainment standpoint, he's doing something that reality of it is, is most people wouldn't wouldn't venture into this world, especially today with the way um, we look at things differently in society. And we brought with us, and I love the fact that he's, he's like, this is like having share or having uh, anybody else who's a single name that I just can't think of right now. Prince, any of those we brought with us today, drew the comedian. I love the sitcom track. Isn't it great? I need to use that for my joke clips because nobody laughs. They do. Well, it makes you feel, you know, it makes you feel better. Like, there we go. you know, some point. And Keith's on here somewhere too, folks. I don't know where he disappeared to. He was here with me for a moment. But we're talking about uh, a subject that is, well, you know, it really truly is. If you saw the post this week, Dark comedy, blue comedy, uh, cringeworthy comedy, and kind of the concept of is this still a thing? Can you can you still do it, or have we kind of ventured into a realm where um, you're not doing this anymore? This is not a a valid process. We lost Keith already. Um, this is not an inbred, anyways. Um, <laughs> See, and that's, you know, that kind of gets into what, you know, what's acceptable in the comedy world. Um, Drew, go ahead and say hello before I, before I run off with this thing and just describe it and never actually talk about it. Yeah, we'll of course. Uh, house, house so, so just to touch on that, what, what you said is a very important question that I think a lot of people should be asking is what is okay to joke about? And I think that question has been asked a lot and there's a lot of various different answers. Best answer I've ever heard comes from Patrice O'Neill, RIP to Patrice, one of the greatest comedians to ever live. And yeah. as and he he famously said that as long as the intention is to be funny, you can say absolutely whatever the hell you want. Your your intention is to joke. It's and I tell this to a lot of people because like I mean, I joke about everything and that's part of the way I get away with saying a lot of things that I do is I start with topics that I know are a little bit less taboo. And I ease them into it kind of like a sliding scale where at the end of it, I'm talking about the Holocaust or Kobe Bryant or George Floyd. 
but I started out with, you know, maybe gay marriage, maybe Catholics, things that people are a little more white people than Hispanics, and then you ease into it. Um, so that's what I do to try to get away with it. Uh, but as long as the intention is to be funny, to make people laugh, and, and it's just the intent is everything. I mean, if the intent is to joke, then, then you're fine with it, at least in my opinion. Uh, I tell people a lot because it's really weird. The people who get offended at my jokes aren't usually the target of the joke itself. It's people being offended on other people's behalfs. And that's really weird to me because, like, for example, if I do a black joke and the black people are all laughing, but the white person's offended and the white person tells me, which has happened before where I've had white people tell me, you can't do black jokes. I'm like, first of all, you have no say in this as much as I have no say in this. Uh, and second of all, it's more racist to think that you have to stand up for a different group of people because they're too thin skinned to take a joke. Um that you would be fine if it was directed towards your people. But these people are so sensitive. This group, this, this demographic is so sensitive that you should not joke about them because they don't have a sense of humor. That, in my opinion, is more racist telling people that you can't joke about things when your intention at the end of the day is just to make a joke. And I would have, and plus when I make a, let's say a race joke, uh, I'm playing with stereotypes that are already existing. I'm not creating any stereotypes. I'm not saying anything that hasn't been, that nobody's heard before. I'm just using clever wordplay and wit to play with what you already have established in your head as a previously existing stereotype. So I'm really not doing anything other than just kind of wordplay. And, and if you get offended at that, but you, but 10 jokes down the line, you were laughing at the Catholics and you're laughing at the Hispanics. Right that kind of like you're cherry picking at this point, I have more respect for someone who's completely offended by everything I say than someone who's like, I liked half of it, but that one joke really messed me up. I, I, I get, I understand what you're saying. And, and let's get it. I want to get into that. Let's do our housekeeping real quick. So first, first things first, uh, if you liked the, the opening, you liked a lot of the pictures that we had at media by dibs. Your connection for all things media from logos, marketing. Shout campaign. out to Media by Dibs. The guy's an yeah. animal. He is Dude. amazing. Uh, make your ideas a reality. Mention the phrase belly up to the bar for 10% off your first order and your free consultation. Also, as always, sticker in a cause. If you've got something, whether it's you're doing comedy like Drew and Keith, you've got a charitable organization that you're supporting something local. I don't care what it is. If it's something you believe in, you've created a sticker. Hey, if you reach out to Keith, he'll get you, he'll get your stickers made. Um, reach out to, right here's what you got to do. So you can have dibs, make your design and then Keith will make you a sticker. And then dibs will make you shirts that you can wear the design on. And then at some point, Drew will make fun of you for what I you're wearing. <laughs> and then you can come on here and complain about the fact <laughs> of what happened, and we'll advertise everybody again on here. So it all comes full circle, sticker in a cause. And the last thing is we always want to grow the bar. Everyone is welcome at the bar. Everyone has a right to sit here and enjoy the bar with us. So with that said, make sure you take a moment and share this to every yard sale site that you belong to. And I'll have to ask in a minute. My cousin Aaron wants to know who who is the broken guy. Uh, I'm assuming she means you, Keith. That's my cousin Aaron wants to know who the who's the broken guy. 
<laughs> oh, I just can't get anything to work. It's infuriating. I well, said I'm broken I mean, too. It's broken English. Um, that's great. My cousin said, "Who's the broken guy?" So make sure you take a moment, share this to all the sites that you're that you belong to, so that they all get this opportunity. Because remember, the goal with sharing this is to get kicked off of every yard sale site that you possibly could belong to. So that that is our you goal. Kicked, yeah, all the yard sales. Out of a yard sale. Out of a yard sale site. Well, well, the best one was earlier before the show started. Uh, Drew said that Keith looks like he does sells works at yard sales for a living, which is funny to me because there's a huge one in North Florida that my grandmother used to actually sell leather goods at, like belts and belt buckles and everything. So I'm like, I oh, know that. I didn't that. know that was a full-time job. I really oh, No, I'm sorry, Drew. My cousin meant you. He's actually in his bed right now, Aaron, because he's got <laughs> he has COVID. This is how dedicated he is to his craft. He has and COVID. And it's not asymptomatic. It's like I'm dying. But he's actually dying. This could be his farewell show. We don't know. Um, we haven't quite figured it out yet. It's gonna be a fun he is wearing uh, he is wearing a U shirt, so uh, I'll have to hook him up with one of the Marines that I I uh, served with, who actually has like a monstrous uh, podcast that's that's a video style uh, show on YouTube that is nothing but about the U. Really, Ed Reed follows me on my other Instagram. Does that's he really? A, yeah, that's, that's a impressive. cool little plug. That, I got a picture with Willis McGahey, DJ Dallas. I'm a huge UM fan. Bro. But those are two. You've already named two Baltimore Ravens. You want to keep going? Yeah. yeah I, mean, I, mean, you're wearing I your wish boyfriend. I met Ray Lewis. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, Ray Ray. Uh, yeah. Would you say, Keith, he looks like he's wearing his boyfriend's shirt? Yeah. Uh, it's adorable. <laughs> it's quite adorable. Look at you. Uh, <laughs> so uh, all that being said, so dark comedy – I actually meant to do this a minute ago. I wanted to actually look up the definition of what is dark comedy. Cause I think me personally, it's a very subjective and a sliding, uh, a sliding scale of it. Cause Drew and I were talking about this beforehand and we really want to approach this uh, from the standpoint of how has it changed? What are some of the things that, that have changed about dark comedy? Um, because I can remember growing up, one of our both of us said one of the best movies we ever watched was Mel Brooks' Blazing Saddles. I don't know uh, if you could even begin to approach to to make a movie uh, like that today. Now this I don't is think what, you could even self produce that type of movie. Now this is what um, this is what it, it comes up for Wikipedia. Um, black comedy, also known as black humor, dark humor, dark comedy, morbid humor, edgy humor, gallo. I've never heard this one. Gallows, gallows humor. humor. Yeah, that's what I was uh, going to say. Was, like, well, Keith is actually the, probably the the most educated next to. I don't know, Drew. Did you get past ninth grade? I'm a high school dropout, so I knew it. Yeah, one thing you just know in life. And yeah. Keith is like, and if you knew Keith, Keith is actually the most well spoken. And, and Keith and I have talked about this, and I want to get into this also, where dark comedy touches the Appalachians. Because that's a real – it's it's but that's one of – that's that sliding scale. But let me finish Poverty. this. It says, uh, light or subject matter that is generally considered taboo, particularly subjects that are normally considered serious or painful to discuss. This is uh, – look, I mentioned Blazing Saddles, and uh, my man – 
Robert, when I went to high school, he's another big Ravens fan. Uh, yeah, see, he again, blazing saddles would never be done again. Pat and I grew up together. No, it couldn't be done. My cousin Aaron, though, Clockwork Orange is Clockwork Orange dark humor. I think it is. Not today, it wouldn't be considered. But no. isn't one of the, and, think and about the scene the, he goes to the win with the card. Do you remember the scene when he's they're handing him the flashcards? And and they show the guy trying to break in the window, and the woman's got the the blanket pulled up, and he goes, "No time for the old in and out love. Just came to read Demeter." Tellio. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't think a scene would define an entire movie as uh, dark humor. Uh, there is a sliding scale, and a thing to note also is that with today's dark humor, why there's less of it? I think it's not even more about like PC culture. I think it's 10 times harder to do nowadays, not even because everyone's so sensitive, but because at first when, when dark humor first became a thing, you could get away with saying stuff and getting huge laughs or huge reactions, at least from the crowd, just off of shock value. Just shock because value, nobody else has said it. Exactly. Shock value nowadays does not work at all. You will get you will hear a pin drop in a room. If I if I go on stage and just say something like so ridiculous or ass outlandish like, like rape isn't that bad i need to have a right. point along with it but 30 years ago i would have gotten the whole room to be like he just said what like because they're used to late night comedy and stuff so just the juxtaposition or such the difference of like someone actually being able to say this and not combusting all of a sudden is like something that gets them shocked nowadays with the internet and stuff everyone's seen and heard everything right. i gotta be clever on top of shocking well, is is the audience so so the biggest thing is is we're also much more aware of I, I don't like the the term woke I can't stand it it it's you're aware of other people and you respect other people that's what that really should mean stop saying woke you just sound foolish um, but the reality of it is is how much does that affect things like that like um, being able to to do what you do. Like the fact of that you do, this is it. People know that, hey, if you're going to see Drew, he's going to say some stuff that you're not going to say to your mom. Yeah, yeah. of course. Something that is not acceptable at Thanksgiving dinner is probably going to be said. So how do you, so, how do you approach that? Or, or really better than that, I'm going to back it up even more. One more, Drew. Where in your head did you go, I'm going to take this risk? Because it, it truly is still a risk. Like, Clubs could turn around and be like, you're not doing that in our club. Have you mm -hmm. had that happen? Not not yet. Um, clubs really honestly care more about selling tickets, and I've been pretty good about selling tickets. I think that's an important thing to note is that you have to understand when you're getting into dark comedy that you're, you're not going to be liked by everyone. 80%. It's probably, I, I might have an accurate number, but 80% of people are not going to like what you do. You're looking for that 20%, but that 20% is a fan base that is going to ride with you harder than they would with anyone else. Kevin Hart got canceled from the Oscars for some tweets yes. he made eight years before then, but that's because he's known for family-friendly comedy. If, if someone were to try to cancel me for something I said, they'd be like, have you not heard anything he said? Like, all of it's outrageous. Like, this is why we like him anyways. And so anyone who would try to cancel me, wouldn't be someone who buy tickets to my show anyway. Okay. So I don't, I don't care what their opinion is. My stuff's not for them. And I'm not there to offend people. 
everyone has a different sense of humor. And so like my last joke I posted is about my mom having cancer, which is a hundred percent true. And the audience had a worse reaction than I did. I'm like, I, it happened to me. Like you guys don't right. even know my mom and you guys are ooing. Like this actually happened. And I made a clever joke out of it so I can like move on and cope with it. And like, so it's, I, I don't have a hate in my heart. So I know that I can say this stuff with confidence. I mean, I've had two gay roommates. My, my current roommate's black. Like, I don't care who you are as long as you're not a shitty person. I don't even see that stuff. And so, like, to me, I don't, I'm, I'm Hispanic. People see me as white. I don't, I don't view myself as either. I'm just me. And so, like, for me, it's such a different mindset and different mind frame. But I'm not there to offend anyone. I, I, I make it very abundantly clear. I do dark comedy shows where it's only dark comedy and i'll headline it so you were watching six people do auschwitz jokes before i even get on stage so if you got offended by me then then you should have left a lot a lot earlier plus the first thing you see on my instagram is dark humor in all capital like if if you don't like that stuff don't click on it but the issue with people who get offended is they they need to get offended it's it's moving on from one offensive thing to the next and they need to be preoccupied because they have too much shit in their life that they don't want to deal with that they want to point the finger at other people's and and say this is what's wrong with the world when i'm making people laugh and stuff like it, it, you don't have to click on my profile it says dark humor if you know that you don't like dark comedy don't look at my videos but then people will click on it and be like oh now i'm offended and then report well, it or something thing. well that's the what stern used to say they said he said my what was the whole thing? My fans listen for people who love me, listen for uh, 10 or 15 minutes. People who hate me, listen for the whole four hours. Yes. And, yeah. And that's and so, it's really part of it. Um, we're in a different and, time now. Like, you know, the Stern stuff was not that far long ago, but you know, now we're living in a weird time where, you know, uh, some publicity is bad publicity now. Like you can, it's that selective outrage bullshit. That, People could just be like, oh, I want to feel important and people think that I have a take on this. While I really don't, I'm just going to make something up to be mad at and then just screw somebody else's money over for that, basically. Well, Robert brings up a good point. He says, you can't go to a show knowing a comedian's track record, then then piss and moan when something said hits close to home, then laugh at everyone else, uh, everyone else being the punchline. So you're a fair game. Well, that was something I was, I was thinking about with with some of this different stuff in, in the different realms. Like when you were talking about knowing what a guy's show is, you didn't go to a, a dice show and not expect foul language. Um, you don't you don't go to a Leonard Skinner concert and get mad that they played Sweet Home Alabama. Right. It, it, right. Would, it would make absolutely no sense. Like, you know what you're you going just to home see. For Keith. That was Keith's palm song. <laughs> That was and, that was graduation music. Also, people have this real big issue with comedy in general, where they they like see a comedy show or a comedy club, and they're like, "Let's go check this out." Like, you're you're not even gonna look at like the comedians that are performing. Right. Like, you're not gonna look them up. You're just gonna go to a concert and not even know what genre it is. Like, it, it you would never do that. You wouldn't go into a movie theater and just be like, "What's playing?" Like, right. you would. Do some spin research. Wheel, spin the wheel and I'll go see that French foreign film that I never had an interest in. Exactly. So, like, you would do some sort of research, but with comedy shows, people just say, because yep. it's not as popular, they're like, oh, so we just go there and they'd laugh. No, I, I might make you cry. It depends on the person you are. Now, this, I, I'm going to tell you right now, and, and if the two of you haven't looked into this, 
I send the guy who owns this company messages regularly, praying that he will accept the fact that Gunnery Sergeant Murphy, who's a character in one of his shows, is me, and that he needs to go ahead and hire me now. If you have not gone on Vet TV yet, that is Vet TV is 100% built for veterans, and it's veterans' dark humor. Drew, hey. if, if you ain't seen that shit yet, and and that's that's a that's a good point whole to channel. touch on. That's a good point to touch on because my dad my dad was in the Marines for eight years. My uncle was in the Army. So like, and and, and everyone here, uh, my my mom, my dad, my uncle, my entire family was all born in Cuba, which is a third world country. Shit is horrible over there. Good but food. Be, great food. I mean, I mean, good food comes from oppression. Like Andrew Schultz had a joke. Andrew Schultz has a great joke where he's like, uh, anywhere where, where, where the men are like, hey, women, get back in the kitchen, the food comes out better from the kitchen. So like, it's, it's, it's true, but also like. For, for dark humor with food. Have, yeah. You, yeah. have you ever seen, now this is a perfect example. Now, Drew. I hate to cut you off because this just came to mind to me. So you make a joke similar in that vein. Everyone's up in arms. You're, you're, I can't believe him. I can't understand why he would do that. Chappelle does the Anthony Bourdain joke. Have you ever heard, seen the Anthony Bourdain joke that Chappelle does about suicide? Uh, I've like seen all of job. Chappelle's specials. So probably I just can't think of it off the top of my head. He does this whole thing about, he goes, Anthony Bourdain, best job ever in Hollywood. He got paid to go to exotic places, eat exotic foods, stay in the best best locations, meet people, hung himself in, in a hotel in Paris. And then he goes through this whole story of a friend of his who had a horrible life. All kinds of bad things happened to him. And he's like, I at, asked the guy, you should just kill yourself. Why haven't you done it? It'd probably be a better plan. Like, that's as dark as you're going to get in my book. Looking at another person being like, your life's that bad. I, I do got, remember that one where he's like, and, yeah, yeah. And you have to build yourself? Away with like, it. Yeah. Why would he get away with it? And if you and Keith did something like that, I should go this way because you go that, that way. Too big to fail. There's, yeah, there's, there's a lot fail. of comedians where they've already, it's, it's like what I'm saying. Like me coming up, I'm not going to start clean and then go dark. That would kill my career. But if I build an audience on the darkness, which Chappelle has done, and Chappelle was even grandfathered in from a different time zone, but there are other comedians like Jimmy Carr, Anthony Jeselnik, that like you expect to see that. Tony Hinchcliffe, they tried to cancel him, and he only grew bigger from it. He gained 20,000 followers in a day, which was 10% of what he had on Instagram already because he had 200,000. And then on top of that, his agency dropped him. He's with a bigger agency. His venue dropped him that he was doing his show at every Monday. He's had a three times larger venue now with better production. Everything happened from one night to the other. And it just skyrocketed because his fans like that. And yeah, people are going to be outraged. But those people weren't going to spend money with him anyways. Other people who like that type of stuff are going to see it and be like, oh, let me check this guy out. So you, you might get 100,000 people looking at something. 20, uh, you know, 80,000 of them are going to be outraged, but they're not going to do anything. They're just going to be upset. 20,000 of them are going to go check you out and spend money with you. So like it's, 
building a platform on this is what I do. This is already this is my stick, you know, and there is a niche market for it because things are so overly politically correct. That 20% is getting more and more starved for this type of humor. It's hard to find it. And so when they do find it, these are loyal, loyal fans. I have people messaging me from India. I have people who find me. I do self-promotion on sometimes on uh, other comedians' Instagrams where I'm like, hey, check my stuff out. If you like it, let me know what you think. And I get people all the time. I send Keith pictures all the time of people messaging me saying they they literally will message me saying um, saying I clicked on your profile just to hate on you, but you're kind of funny, like stuff like that all the time because they're like I don't respond to bots. This is this is stupid. Normally I block bots, but I, I saw your shit and it made me die laughter. Like stuff That's like that. Pro trolling. It's 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 literally. When you get those fans, they're they're way way better fans than like Chris Elia's fans would be, or something like where there's a scandal or something comes out and everyone's like, "Fuck this guy!" Like it would be very hard to cancel me once I get to the platform or the level where I want to be. Um, because at the end of the day, if, I, if you could sell tickets, then that's really what it is. That's what that's all that matters. It's numbers. And at the end well, of the day, if if a very yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's business. That's just the way it should be. That you could be, I mean, Barack Obama could sell out the Miami Improv. He's not oh, going to yeah. be telling any funny jokes, but there's enough people that would come pay for him, and the Improv will let him go up. So, like, it doesn't really matter what you do. As long as you sell tickets, that's their most important thing is making money and keeping the doors open at the end of the day. So, like, it should be about the comedy, but, like, if you can do both, then you're fine. And if a venue doesn't even want to let you in, then you self-produce it. You pay for a venue and you do it yourself. And then you make all the money off of it. You make the money off the drink sales as well. So like, that's why I like the freedom. That's why I'm I'm filming. I'm in the process of producing and filming and, and I'm putting all the money into myself for a 30 minute special. And I'm not even, people have told me, at least reach out to Comedy Central. See, first of all, Comedy Central would not touch my shit with a 10 foot pole. But even if they were interested, really? I wouldn't sell it. They would not mm-hmm. nowadays. If you if you look at what's on Comedy Central nowadays, it's everyone has to be like a trans, non-binary, black, white, Hispanic well, woman. I, I, I it's everything I, but like that. Then there's South Park. Well, I was about to say they they still put out South Park and they still do the roast. The, and, you can't get any like those roasts are like. When was the last time they did a I Comedy love Central roast? I'll have to go. I'd have to go. One. I know one of you out there. Somebody Google a, when the last Comedy Central yeah, roast. Yeah, someone Google when the last Comedy Central roast is. And there there are, but I'm talking about specifically Comedy Central stand up specials. They, Jimmy they do, No, Jimmy, Jimmy Carter is my number one favorite comedian. And he did he did do a great joke on Pete Davidson uh, yeah. that people oh got God. offended. Is that by. not the most. Br- that, okay, so that's an example. Like, so I want to get into this. And, and so, you know, I know Keith's not saying a ton right now. Um, because I do want to touch on on that piece of where society um, accepts dark humor and doesn't care about the group that's offended. So, so example I always use is so my mother's family's all from from Appalachia. They're all from Tennessee. They're all Eastern Tennessee, one hundred percent. Which reminds me, Aaron, we got to talk about something that's going to blow your mind. Um, y'all ever done twenty three and me? 
Blue people? Know, like uh, no, no, I don't believe in giving my DNA over Look, to a company. You, you've given your DNA yeah. to enough, enough people. Um, <laughs> that's why definitely. Um, so I did 23 and me, and I have I don't even I have to talk to my cousin first because I don't even put that out there. And it we I found out shit. that no, it's I found out that her son's father is Owned related to my mother's side of the family. So like her that he Dude, he's actually Tennessee, Tennessee fucking uh family trees are like are like fucking like phone poles. It's oh, just straight up. Right? I don't know if I told you or not, Aaron. But uh <laughs> but no. But here's what well, but see here's the here's the thing that you're you're talking about. So that's a completely acceptable dark humor to just bust the chops of anyone from Appalachia. Yeah. We consider yeah. them as ignorant, as dumb, as dumb you have a twang to your voice in any way, shape, or form. You know, you, you've you got some an uncle dad somewhere in your bloodline. Or a husband. Yeah. Or a husband. You know. Yeah. You know, so the, the thing with your heart slows down. Any one of these things is true. The thing with that is it's – that's why I don't like punching up. I, I don't what like punching mean? up. It's to me, it's pandering. Punching up is when you're making fun of a group that's socially acceptable to make fun of. So, like, Those like the second kind of in power, I, I punch down always. So, like, it's easy to make yeah. fun of white people, and I think it's pandering because, like, I don't do Trump jokes because what, regardless of whether you, you know, or Biden jokes really, because it's just it's too easy and it's too easy to get the crowd on your side. It's like if I if I walk up and like. And I'm doing a show in Detroit, and I'm like, "Damn, Detroit's the greatest city of all time." Obviously, I'm going to get an applause break. I didn't have to work for that, so it's the same thing with like white people. It's just so easy for like people to laugh at and stuff. I like knowing that my joke is good, and my joke is good if I can make someone laugh at George Floyd, if I can make someone laugh at Kobe Bryant, if I can make someone laugh at the Holocaust. Now I know my writing is solid enough where people are like, "That was fucked up," but I see what you did there. And that's what I'm looking for. I don't even need you to be like, ha, 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 that was hilarious. I want you to be like, I shouldn't be laughing at this, but I can't help it. You forced my hand. Raise your hand. Is that what you said, Keith? It forced my hand. You made me laugh. You made me laugh. Now, that's a question, though, from either one of you. Have you ever been at a show um, and you watch somebody laugh at at a, a dark joke that was addressing somebody else? that they felt like whatever they were somehow better in that situation to laugh at that joke. And the next breath you made a joke that they were like, Oh, wait a sec. Now that's me. Have you ever had that kind of like, ha, Hey, wait a sec. Now you're talking about me. That kind of like quick change type scenario. I've had some slow reactions before, uh, in that, in that type of sense where like, but it's mainly shock first people look around and then they feel okay to laugh. So I've, mm-hmm. I literally have clips where like just – if you just listen to the audio, you hear a pause, they register it, a shock, like an ooh, and then everyone looks around and then you hear people like laugh and almost like a sigh of relief. And it's the weirdest <laughs> thing <laughs> ever <laughs> because you know they just want to laugh. So it's almost – it's, it's a weird the thing, yeah, where they're looking for approval to laugh. Group mentality. Yeah, exactly. And and you are in a group setting. So you, 
you don't want to be like that one guy where like I say something super fucked up and you're the only person like, ha ha, and everyone else is like, nah. Like, so I get it kind of, but just everyone should be relaxed. It's people need to understand that these comedy clubs are a safe space. Like I've done shows where it was dark humor only and we said the most outrageous things. And instead of me collecting a paycheck, which at this level of comedy, you take every dollar you can get. And I fully produced the show. I sold 30, 30 tickets in a 60 person venue and we had standing room only. And we still had to tell people at the door not to come in. And I still snuck more people in. So we had like 80 people in a venue where it was like 60 only. And I did all this work. I, I hired all the comedians and everything. And instead of taking a paycheck, I donated that paycheck to charity because actions speak louder than words. Because I can say all the fucked up things I want, but if I'm doing good things for people, if I, as a person, as a human being, I'm a good person, then it doesn't matter. Like, I have no guilt. I have no guilt in my conscience whatsoever. So I can say these jokes knowing that I didn't do anything wrong. I see a lot of times people actually, like, there's that white guilt going around where they're like, I can't laugh at that because, you know, maybe I picked on a kid for being like that when he was younger or something or, like, I, I have none of that guilt. I can make fun of anyone and everything because it's all the same to me. I don't care who you are. I love everyone as long as you're not an asshole. Like, you know, so that's that's now, what I subscribe to. Now, as far as charity. Yeah, are you a charity the, now? Is that, is that the, the the child of your dealer? Is that does she work for <laughs> Yeah, yeah so, I donated all the charity at the club. That's, that's my daughter. Charity needles. Uh, because it is what it is. Uh, but charity, charity for needles. Um, yeah, no, so, I mean, I just grabbed the money from the show and I, uh, I, I donated it to, uh, up. to the government now, so we could get bigger cages for Mexicans. Um, see, that's, <laughs> behind that. see, that's a Cuban saying. I'm that, Hispanic, though. Of, I could say it. But now <laughs> that's that's one of those things. Like, hey, I'm this. I can say that. But we. So I was talking today with my barber and I, I'm curious from a community standpoint, I can remember when I was a kid, you always, especially in Baltimore, this was a thing. And, and I'm going to get to your question in a minute, Dibs. Um, Polish jokes were a big thing. Polak jokes. Do you either about what you, you know, huh? You do about what you know. But, but uh, I'm saying like now living in, growing up in Miami, growing up in Kentucky. So we had a big Polish population where I grew up at. Were Polak jokes a thing? My dad would do Polak jokes, and that's why I steer clear from them because it's dad humor, in my opinion. Okay, uh, so it, so maybe it was an age thing. Thanks for calling me old. Appreciate that. And on the <laughs> next show, <laughs> no, it might be it might be an age thing. Also, I don't know enough Polish people, and also, again, I like punching down. So, like Polish people might be disenfranchised. They might be a minority in some places and stuff, but I don't see it that way personally. And I also have to play with always, I have to play with like the majority or the audience's consensus. So, like, if you were to take okay. a poll of like a hundred people in the audience and you said, what are the three biggest groups that are like affected by like inequality and stuff like that? Polish people would not be in like out of the hundred people, maybe one or two would say it but like it would really be so i like to play with like already existing stereotypes things that people already understand th things that like there's a community behind it or like everyone knows so like i love making jokes about like 
things that just happen in the news because it's fresh in everyone's brain and stuff. Polish people, I think it might've been like too long now, or like at least right. in Miami. So, it's, so that's part of that sliding scale. It doesn't is Keith is biting his face right now. I, I got to get. Yeah. I really want to say, I really want to say, so what I'm hearing is we really need to start talking about this Polish privilege problem. <laughs> exactly. The Polish yeah. privilege problem. Um, <laughs> but it was, but it was, it was a thing. Now, now, Rock. Yeah, what did say? Well, remember, Aaron, you and I are. Is, very it, is close. there anything? Aaron, you don't remember, we're very close in age. It's only six years between us. My, my cousins and I were all are afraid to. Yeah, do I'm 25. Too far. So to put in I'm perspective, 45. I'm I'm 25. So. so you're 25. I'm 45. Um, I'm but, timeless. Well, but uh, so so Keith, yeah, you know, and I'm curious for Keith if there's anything. Uh, Robert, I love this one. The solar powered flash flashlight joke. You know, that's, that's a Polish joke. You know, Hey, the solar power, they invented the solar powered flashlight. Imagine if you had a dynamo yeah. in your right hand, whenever you're 13, you, that would just free energy. And also that's, that's another thing I actually want to touch on, uh, on the Polish thing is like, what's the stereotype that they're dumb. Right. Well, that was what hard the, workers. Like, that's, like that's, the, the Polish joke, the, the one I always remembered as a kid was, uh, during World War II, and this is where it actually, but a lot of these come from areas, you know, if you know their history. So the joke was during World War II, the Polish threw dynamite at the Germans, and the Germans lit it and threw it back. So and and these are clever, but, but, but we're if playing you look with at one stereotype for all of these jokes, so you right. can after you've heard like two or three, you see all the rest coming from a mile away. Right. I love playing with black jokes because just. First of all, black people have the best sense of humor out of any group that I've ever met. And I've never had one get offended. And I go for the jugular. But there's so many stereotypes well, that I... the next time? What's the next show? Next show? Uh, next show? I don't know. Because I had to cancel well, a couple things because of Miami COVID. General. He's dying, Sean. That's what I said. Miami but, General ICU. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but you could definitely... I, I post everything on my Instagram. So if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see all my shows. And I do love posting clips. A lot of comedians don't. I love posting clips because I have over 400, 500 jokes. Some of them I haven't even taken the stage yet. So there's there's an endless amount of just one-liners. And my joke format is perfect for social media where it's digestible. It's not a three-minute story. I could just tell you a joke in 15 seconds. You can laugh and keep scrolling. So my format is really good for social media. So I love posting. And if I didn't post, I wouldn't be gaining 25 followers in a day. It, it just wouldn't happen. I just had pictures of me doing stand-up because nobody would have like, you know, a preview or a teaser of what I do. But, but yeah, the thing with the Polish jokes, I think it's, is really important to note is that there's that one stereotype that they're dumb, which of course it's not true. You know, you can't generalize the population, but there are already pre-existing stereotypes that we don't have to create. We have to use for these jokes, but with other minorities and other groups, there's so many others, you know, like, with, with with black people, there's a million stereotypes. With uh, you know, with with white people, there's a couple. With Hispanics, there's so many more stereotypes, and there's so many different types of Hispanics that you can like play with it. With Asians, there's there's a there's there's a decent amount, but it's really like bad drivers, good at math, small penis. Like it's all been said. So I like to touch things where there's more for me to play with, and I like it to be dark, but dark because of the fact that. 
it forces me to be a better writer. I can't get away with shock nowadays in 2021. You can't get away with shock value. So it has to be something that is written really, really well and really clever. It's got to have a misdirect at the end. You got to you gotta throw some red herrings in there. You got to let someone think you're going one way and take a sharp left turn and then use something that they already know in their head to kind of use as a callback. So you're using a stereotype as a callback for your setup. And so there's a lot that goes into it. I'm not just up there saying like horrible shit. Right. Like it's, oh, it, I'm flirting. It, it is an art. Right now, Keith's flirting with my cousin. It's okay. Don't worry about it. He, oh. There's a whole nother dark thing going on here. And so. Uh, but I, no, I, now, hold on for a second though. I want to pause yeah. you for a second, Drew. Because now, be, kind of going to Dibs point there. So Miami's a very di- diverse series. And look, if you're down in the Miami area, take a moment, go look up Drew the Comedian, see where he's at. Make sure you're following him on Instagram. I meant to actually, I, that was my own fault. You put that back up here. Oh, Drew the yeah. Comedian. Uh, that's where you can find him at. Make sure you're taking the time. Uh, Keith, you know, local Circle K, um, Piggly Wiggly. Behind Walmart. Walmart, Kroger's. Um, Kroger. He he's at one of them. He keeps he keeps asking Home to move shelters. We're looking the dirtiest places. Um, we're we're bringing him into the whole family. But Clicking now heels together three times, <laughs> and you'll find him. But that's a but that's an example. So I'm curious, um, because this is how this is what you do today. Let's talk about some of the history of it for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, with the dark comedy, um. We mentioned a little bit of the uh, God. I almost said Mel Blank. That's Bugs Bunny, but that's an, another example of dark humor. Really go look at the Bugs Bunny stuff. There's a lot of dark stuff in there. Where if you really there like, there's stuff in there that I'm going to tell you whether you like it or not. Plays to a level that you're like, oh, cancel culture. Like I think the only reason cancel culture hasn't gotten a hold of it is it's too scary to touch. Yeah, like, but also with, it's too, it's with cartoons, with cartoons in general, Family Guy gets a, away with some stuff that they would Which never mean, if it was an acted to, show. It's never been for kids. Family Guy's never been for of children. Of course, no, I get that. But That's also, like Rick like, and Morty's not for my children. Morty, Morty, windows and stuff like that. In it has always been a thing because cartoons have to be watchable for adults as well. They're the ones that they're the ones with the money. So you have to put innuendos. I mean, Toy Story has always had them and stuff. Yes. They're not as dark. Uh, I think, I think, at the begin- I mean, listen, a lot of Disney stuff is Disney was an anti-Semite himself. So like there's some stuff yeah, in there that he probably that, threw that, in. That, not ironically. Or was it? Um, Throw me out when the Jews are going and stuff like that. But you can get away with stuff a lot more in cartoons than you could with live shows. I love Mel Brooks. I love, like I mentioned, Monty Python stuff. But it's it's also important to note that when it's acted and scripted, people give actors way more leeway because you could be playing a role of a sociopath, a serial killer, and nobody thinks you're that when you get off of the screen. But I go on stage and I say horrible things. And some people literally think that that's me off of stage. But like if I was in a movie, you wouldn't think that. You'd be like, he's just acting. So why is it when I get on the stage, everyone else is doing comedy. But when I get up there and say some horrible shit, it's now a TED Talk. Or I'm trying to make a point. Like nothing I say is true up there. What do you know, Keith? 
Well, it's just like Chappelle. Like, I think people really have a good sense for whenever someone's being genuine and talking about something out of a place that's not coming from hatred. And they're really just trying to point at the most, like, ridiculous aspects of a, like, societal problem and trying to point those out and just make people think about it in a different way. And they might not exactly see it that way, but they recognize it as it not being a harmful intend, intended thing. Uh, I don't I don't know. I think satire is a little bit harder for people to understand, especially when you're because I almost play a character on stage where I'm being ironic the whole time. And I'm like, I'm doing self-deprecating humor, but I'm playing the role of an asshole. So like it's 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 satire completely. But people common sense is getting increasingly less common nowadays. And so people don't get the the nuances people aren't big big comedy fans especially in miami yeah it's very diverse but this is not a comedy city there's too much shit to do where like you see um games it was the um was the greatest football team of all time in all of college history for many oh, years I, I got a question for you before you get into the football thing because i don't understand football whatsoever <laughs> but i know comedy uh do you think that people are incapable of like um <laughs> Jesus, that sounded like an unenthusiastic hand job. That made me sad. Okay, do you think that people are like uh, not able to see the nuances of it, or they're just we've kind of given them so much shit from like just bombard them with like short memory, like type shit that they can't pay attention to it long enough to like appreciate uh, the nuance. I think comedy itself is just not a popular enough art form. I mean, if you if you go up, you to gotta be smart people, to get it. If you go up to a bunch of people in the street and you ask them, have you been to a comedy show? Most people haven't. Um, and like, like you have to, and, and some people have gone to comedy shows, but they're just a fan of a specific comedian, not of stand-up as, in, in general. So they might be like, yeah, I've seen Kevin Hart, but you're like, okay, can you name three other comedians? They're like, no, Kevin Hart's the funny one. Like, I feel like you Joe know, Rogan's and, got and, a lot of fans like that. Yeah. And it, it and it's it's great. I mean, as many fans as comedy can get, like perfect. It's it's better for everyone. But I think like that's a real big thing that deterred me from. I thought I wasn't a fan of stand up for the majority of my life because the mainstream comedians are not my type of comedy. I was in a really dark place, and I found certain comedians. I, I listened to Jimmy Carr's Greatest Hits. It's on Netflix. It's one of the best hours. It, there's more laughs per second than any other comedy special I've ever heard. Time? Jimmy Carr greatest hits. So he's a Jimmy British Carr comedian. is a one-liner. He's a British comedian. He's a one-liner comedian. He started comedy at the age of 26 and quit his job. And he has worked on he's worked on writing jobs with Ricky Gervais, which is a writer of The Office. He's done a lot of great things, but he's a one-liner comedian. He goes super dark. I mean, like some of his jokes are like like one of my favorite jokes of his is uh is say what you want about the Make a Wish Foundation, but they can really work to a deadline. <laughs> And like, he just, he just like, it's just such word specific jokes that it's the writing is perfect and it's short and quick like that. And he'll move from one thing to the other, to the other. And he has over 10 hours of free content on YouTube that you can check out. And his greatest hits is on Netflix. It's an hour of his best jokes put together and you will die of laughter if you have this type of humor. Yeah, well, I mean, he can Jimmy tell two hundred jokes in the span of like what most regular comedians would tell ten. Yeah, and so and it's rapid funny, fire. So I had to pull him up. He's a British Irish stand up comedian, television presenter, writer, actor. He is known for his dark humor, distinctive language, and heckler interaction. Oh, yeah, he, he is another one where he's hecklers. like uh, 
He has one where he's like, uh, you know, if only Africa had more mosquito nets, we could save <laughs> millions of mosquitoes from dying needlessly of AIDS. Like, it's just that type of like, go for it, do whatever you want. Like, I feel just, that sigh right now, like that you're talking about, like that's. I can see. Uh, it's just like, uh, I mean, the, the other special that I heard that really was like, okay, so there's a side of comedy that I truly enjoy and like can really make, like bring me joy. And that's what I was like, I want to do that. And that's when I got into it was I listened to Andrew Jesselnick Shakespeare, which is in my opinion, probably the best album of all time. I think Jimmy Carr is the best comedian, but Anthony Jesselnick Shakespeare, which you, I don't, I don't even think I've seen it, but the audios on like Spotify and iTunes and all that stuff. If you listen to that, it's like broken down into bits. But if you listen to the whole hour, it is fucking hilarious. His timing is so perfect, where he lets laughs drown out and like then goes into it. His God. tags on top of his jokes are just perfect, and so that's the type of stuff. Then I also two podcasts that I really give credit to your mom's house, which is Tom Segura and his wife, and then Kill Tony, which is hosted by uh, Tony Hinchcliffe. And it's a show where it's like, it's like uh, a talent show uh, where each comedian gets one minute on stage and they'll have, they'll have judges behind them, which are all other comedians. If you do good, they, you know, they talk to you about your life and stuff. You do bad, they roast the shit out of you. But it was something where like, I heard a bunch of shitty comedians go up and I was like, you know what, I might not be good enough to write jokes and like do it on stage, but I can at least do better than that asshole. And so like that was something you're if you're thinking of getting into comedy, watch Kill Tony, watch a, you'll see people who've been doing it 10 years and you'll see homeless people who tried it for the first time. Like you'll see everything and you'll be like, all right, you know, there's somewhere I could land in between there. And you just really need to get the first time out of the way. But I remember what. Somewhere in between a homeless person and a yeah. professional comedian. I, remember I got all kinds of homes. I had such a <laughs> view of comedy before I even got on stage that I thought I was just going to come out like guns blazing. My first ever joke on stage was something It was so niche. It's something I wouldn't even like use for anything. Like I wouldn't use it as a clip or anything. Terrible. Uh, but it was, it was so niche and specific and outdated. Garbage. But I thought it was a good joke because I had just gone uh, with my ex-girlfriend. She was from the school. So I had just gone like through a, uh, helping her move out of her dorm. Um, so when I went on stage, I was like, it was fresh in my mind. And I had just written this joke and I thought it was going to get a great response. It was an outdoor show, which always sucks. But it was my first time on stage and I'm reading from my phone and I go, um, Something along the line. I don't want to. I mean, you can't butcher it too much because it's not that great of a joke. But I was like, I'll in tell 2007, I was like, in 2007, Virginia Tech was voted the most fit school in the country, which makes <laughs> sense because that's the year that the 52 slowest students got shot. And my first ever comedy reaction was not a laugh. It was another comedian saying, Jesus fucking Christ. Jesus and Christ, else. man. And that was my <laughs> first ever reaction on stage. And then I'm like, fuck, I have like, 18 more of these things <laughs> like i just kept now, going through it but now you I, I know exactly what you're talking about um that well, brings up the top that that brings up the topic of is there a timeline for things because i used to always like the show um uh, what was it though uh last man standing or last, last comic, comic standing. yeah last comic standing. i like that show 
Uh, definitely think they've made some bad choices the year that whoever that kid was that ended up going to like uh, Universal Studios and doing shows. Uh, and he sucked. And the guy who came in second was like an amazing comedian. Josh Blues come. Ralph. Josh Blues come out of that show. Ralphie Mays come out of that show. Right. Uh, um, well, who's Pat the kid? Pan. Fluffy. There's the guy who has Gabriel uh, came out of there. Yeah, that's Josh Blue, the one the first one I mentioned. Okay. Uh, Gabriel Iglesias came out of there. Doug which Benson very, was on that show. Which is very odd that that Josh Blue came out of that one, and then I saw him on America's Got Talent recently. Yeah. Like I don't. He's a very talented, well-known comedian. That, did I, that, that I found weird too, because like once you're at a certain level, you shouldn't have to. Sam Merrill did America's Got Talent. I know a couple other people oh, did too, but way. when they were when they were ye- like younger in their younger. career, Josh Josh Blues had multiple specials out. Like he has, right, like he's he, he's well known. It was almost like, yeah. but it almost felt like the show was needed a known mm-hmm. face to kind of boost something up there. But but a reason what? I bring it up is is probably i'm telling you uh i like america's got talent but sometimes there's like like it's rigged they would never they would never let me on the show no you're not going in the general vicinity they're lucky they would be like listen here this is america not not drew um (laughs) but but it brings up the topic of i don't remember the comedian's name and somebody can somebody who's watching or listening right now can send it to there was a, a gentleman uh, one year that did America's Got Ta- or did uh, last comic stand- last comic standing, and he made a nine eleven joke, and he was Middle Eastern descent, and he got kicked off the show because he did it which, in New York City, which is absolutely dumb. Um, well, this was like a couple. I bet you this was like two thousand somewhere between two thousand three and two thousand six. So this uh, is, early early this is where the topic. This is where the who topic of Keith, who was it? Joe Mackey. Oh, Joe who? Mackey. Joe Mackey's great. He's not Middle but Eastern, he, so but I don't he's think well so. known now. He got uh, got through it, but he made that joke, yeah, and they were like, "You'll find your audience." There's going to be people watching. The network doesn't like it, but it's going to cause a fire. There's going to be talk about it. But this is where you have to understand when it comes to too soon. So too soon is us. So soon is a thing that applies to the PC culture. But when it comes to dark comedy, you want to be the first person to hit a dark topic. It's almost the difference where like, I the, I was saying that, that it was outdated, the Virginia Tech joke, because the shooting happened so long ago. But if it happened the week of, it would have made my joke even better. I was doing George Floyd jokes. That, I was doing George Floyd jokes during the riots. Like it was day three. And I was fucking going on stage doing Hold George on, Floyd. Keith, read that, Keith. Read that. I'm in shock right now. <laughs> Sean, you know I'm I in can't read. Shock. I did funniest mom in America. Read that. I did. I did funniest mom in America three on Nick back in like 2006 or 2007. Only got on the first show. I was in the top 60. I was too dark for Nickelodeon. Hello. <laughs> so that's my cousin Aaron. Who I, that's so great. Uh, and she stopped, she took care of her mom. That which she does, she got her. Aaron got angel wings for that. She's she's guaranteed her spot there. Uh, better uh, than me. Uh, go take care of it. Home, tell Aunt Joyce I love her. Uh, but yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know that about my own cousin. This is too crazy. So, Drew, this and Drew, I'm proud of you. 
at no point did we have to call 911. No, no, I've actually, since we've been flowing, I was feeling literally Brithy. like I was going to throw up before this. Yeah, like but, I thought, uh, I thought Keith was going to have to save you. That didn't happen. Yeah, you know, the phone rang and somebody said, <laughs> uh, WTF, which is very good. Uh, but there, like, this is such an interesting subject that, you know, there's so much to it. So many different elements to it. Um, I mean, this is one of those subjects that we can go on forever on because it's such a – and it's very subjective. What you think is dark. Well, not that subjective. Just what, stupid say it again, Keith. Like, dark, dark does, does so have Keith a genre where – Keith was mumbling. Let him mumble. Oh, I said, you know, like, you know, it's not that subjective. There's really like a pretty – easily found common denominator the people that always are up in arms about shit are the dumbest people in society and the people that have the least going on for them so i mean come on of course they're going to make a racket and sometimes well, people listen i don't think whether something's dark or not is subjective it's kind of cut and dry like you can kind of i mean there's some gray areas but yeah. when it comes to whether you're offended by that or not, that's yeah, but the way that you handle it. And like, if you, I can't give anybody offense. They can only take it. And that's I don't think I, there's many. Yeah. I don't think there's many people who say a Holocaust joke isn't dark. Like it's dark, right. but whether you laugh at it or not, that's where the subject, uh, yeah, subjective part of it comes into play. Being able to look at something and that but, we've done but before and be like, Oh, that was but, fucked up regardless of like whether it's dark comedy or it's clean comedy it's all going to be subjective it, you could do clean comedy all day and i'm going to be like that's trash oh. or you could have a really good bit that just didn't happen to be dark and it's just it, it makes an interesting point and i laugh at it and i'll be like you know what that was a pretty good clean comedy bit but in like general sinbad? who sinbad uh no i mean there's, there's... And at no point in time nothing he ever did made you laugh uh, that's the issue with comedy, and that's very important to note for anyone who wants to get into comedy: quality over quantity. Because it will, you could look. If I'm a fan of yours, I'll watch you for ten hours. But if I don't like your first ten minutes, I won't listen to anything else. There's too many other comedians. There's too much other stuff out there. So like, he could have funny stuff. I just wouldn't know because the stuff I've seen wasn't for me. So that's what's really really important for it's not even clean it's just whether i find it funny or not i i have i have a, a like most people i have a very low attention span you have five minutes to make me laugh if that if i don't laugh within five minutes i'm moving on to the next comedian there's too much other stuff on the internet for me to look at that can make me laugh for me to sit through and wait till you to get to the good part because you have 15 minute build up to the story and a yeah, big punch at the end that's why it's a one-liner. He ain't got no attention span. He forgets where it's going. Yeah, neither neither does anyone else. So one-liner comedy, <laughs> it's not as common, but I think it's it's a great it's it's perfect for social media platforms. I think I've learned a lot from you. Everything. Not I mean, to. for real. No, but yeah, um, not But now that's a you you bring that up. Now, do we have? Is it more? Um, <laughs> Dibs was like. Well, at least my graphic caught your attention. That's because it, it was amazing, Gibbs. Yeah, um, it was a great now we got, wait, I got to get you doing Keith's graphics. Um, but no, you bring up a point. Is comedy turned into your jokes have to be the equivalent of a Vine video? Yeah, no. But, did, almost. You, but you so, said, say it again, Keith. Keith. Oh, I said almost. 
Like you, there are great storytellers though that can actually catch an audience's attention. I mean, if it's but they the have right to audience have the too. That's the thing. They have to have the audience. Chappelle can Chappelle when he did that whole thing where he was crying that he's a millionaire who's not getting paid enough for the Chappelle show. He, <laughs> there was not one laugh in the whole thirty minutes of it, and everyone was reposting and sharing it because Chappelle could just read a book for two hours and people would repost it. So, but me, I would get booed off stage in the first two minutes if I was complaining about like not getting paid for something or something like that. Like, so it just depends on who you are. Once you hit a certain level, (laughs) but it's kind of, it's also kind of to your disadvantage because there's some comedians who get so big and so famous that the crowds are always laughing at anything they say that they don't know what's funny anymore. Comedy keeps you humble because if you say something that's not funny, for the most part, if you're not a big comedian, you're not going to get a laugh. So you're like, fuck. Like, even though I've written hours of, of fucking hilarious material, what I just said right now got nothing. And that made me feel like shit. So I'm going to either scrap that or change it. But you need that information. It sucks and it hurts to bomb. But you need that data. You learn more from that than you learn from actually winning. So... Once you get to a certain level, you can tell stories for 30 minutes long. But who's to say whether it's good or not? You still have an audience, so people are going to listen to it. But you don't know whether your stuff's good or not. There's some comedians who just quit comedy because they got so big that they're like, I, I can't gauge this anymore. Uh, yeah, it's just too much. Two... Oh, go ahead, Sean. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. Now uh, I want to so hear Those are the two extremes. Like, you've got the too big to fail, and then you've got the, like, the luxury that comes with anonymity of being a smaller comedian. You know, you can get by with more, well, but you Mark. don't get seen. And Mark Lawrence uh, is an example of that. Remember, who? I mean, Martin Lawrence? Martin Lawrence, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was, like, you were talking about comedy albums. He had an album back in the early 90s that I probably played in my car a hundred times could tell you the entire thing on that. One of the funniest jokes was him talking about uh, Michael Jackson's father, Joe Jackson, and the... Uh, Joe, no, not Shoeless. Uh, Joe Jackson, and then talking about... Um, what the hell is Michael's sister? The one that wasn't that talented. Um, Janet. No, Janet was talented. Um, no, she just popped a titty out at the Super Bowl. No, she was always... But I can't think of her name, but he does a whole bit on it, and... But like you said, he was – see, but I don't know if I would ever call what he did dark. Yeah, I mean – But now that's but another that, thing. Like, we gotta, I'm going to put a bow on this here soon, but what's the difference, Drew, between dark and blue? Dark and blue are synonymous. I don't like using the term – blue is just an older term. Dark is like more of a, a regular generation. They're completely synonymous. Uh, I used to generation? put – Hold on. What the fuck is a regular generation? No, I meant My like generation. newer generation, like current is what I meant. I misspoke. I'm you sorry to offend the old. I'm sorry to offend the guys in, in that are in this podcast that get discounts at grocery stores. But uh, I meant <laughs> Benny current Hunters. generation when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so, so when it comes to... When it comes to dark and blue comedy, it's the same thing. I don't like using, and I know people have said black comedy. Black comedy could also mean death jam. Like it could mean something completely yeah, no, different. I, I so I don't well, like I using that. Gallows comedy. Gallows is another comedy. like that's an, that's that's like before blue comedy. That's like when they're oh. like, yeah. 
So like these are super old terms, and that there I, I think the last person I heard use the term blue comedy was like Bob Saget. Like, and so it's it's not common. So I don't know if you heard him on here. And Amanda Wingo says popping popping titty out takes talent. Pop your titties. Oh, but oh. you talk about Bob Saget. Um, I don't know if you went back and, and you listened to any of the shows. Oh. Um, that would be appreciated, Drew. Thanks, appreciate it. You got all, 25 people da- logging on. Probably should tell them all. The, <laughs> Definitely go back follow. and li- listen to all those shows. Follow, I mean, just throw that out there. Everybody but, listen to Sean's show. I'm sorry. Thank you, because you're already here. Um, but no, we had uh, Scott Edwards on, who owned uh, a comedy club in Los Angeles, the 12th ever permanent like full-time comedy club in America for 20 years out of Los Angeles. And Bob Saget was one of his, like he, he's actually one of his closest friends is Bob Saget. But you talk about open. that and it's interesting to me is how much. So you say, Oh, and they'd never let me on TV. Bob Saget's one of the dirtiest comedians to ever do it but his tv he, show is it. and so and there so you go we just lost key thing. what the fuck did he just do <laughs> i don't know but that's that's an that's an important thing to note is that with bob saget great comedian great comedian Phenomenal. not a, i'm not a big fan of, of sitcoms but i respect them and stuff but the thing is he ran into an issue because he didn't stay consistent is that his TV stuff, which he's getting paid an enormous amount for in sitcoms, is super family-friendly, super clean, that then people would bring their children to his that's comedy what, shows. That's what, and what they would, I was saying. They would freak out, and it's like, it's two completely different worlds, but it's kind of like, 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 yeah, he's like Hannah Montana on TV and Miley Cyrus off TV. Like, it's, it's two different worlds. You got, you know... Jekyll and Hyde type of situation where it's like, but he wasn't, he's not advertising as much because if he advertises that he's dark, then the networks get mad at him and he can't do his TV show. So people have to find out the hard way. If you're consistent with it and you're like, I say fucked up shit all the time, don't bring your kids, people aren't going to bring their kids. And if they do, it's on them at that point, not me. Well, that's what Scott was saying was, is he would, like, he would have to, like, moms would be like, oh, Bob Saget. And they would get ready to bring their 10 and 12-year-old daughters to go see these shows. And he would have to be like, you can't see this. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, and he was close friends. Like, he still, I think he said he was in Bob Saget's wedding or something like that. Like, that level of close. And, yeah. and he talked about that. Now, you, one of the other things, because I want to get into this also. Look, he's back. Keith, at can you get that prepaid phone taken care of? There you go. Keith is literally like the worst STD ever. Like you just can't get rid of him. You can't. He's Whole new get- type of herpes. So now one of the things I'm going to, I got running across the bottom of the ske- screen right now. And I want to talk to you about b- before we put a bow on this thing and pull the lights in, in the bar is vice city on YouTube. You managed to pull off Motherfucker. one of the greatest Kung Fu hits in all of YouTube <laughs> to be able to have the title of your YouTube channel, Vice City. I can't get, listen to me. If you're any of Drew's fans, I need you all and any Keith's fans to go to my YouTube channel so I can get the required, whatever it is, 100 followers or what, or 500 followers 
thousand so and and one thousand so hours watch. So I can customize the name of my YouTube channel. I can't even do that right now. What? Yeah, like, no, I can't. I got like fifty six, and they won't let me customize the name of it. Give me twenty bucks. Listen to me. You're as bad as the people that they send me messages. <laughs> Listen to me. I can go ahead. Well, I'm worse. Like, but that's not. Oh God, that's a whole nother thing. I had a guy reach out to me the other day, and I've had two. One was phenomenal. I'd recommend the guy. He seemed like a good guy. I talked to him on the phone. But I had another one. He's like, oh, I can get you 15,000 followers. Okay. Don't I can ever improve do that. your show. I'm, I can improve your show. I'm like, all right, mm -hmm. cool. I said, uh, so of all my shows that you've listened to, what was your favorite? Oh, I don't give a shit. <laughs> and he goes, I, I've never listened to him. Yeah. So well, how are you going to improve my show if you've never listened to it? Yeah. Well, well it, it, statistically but the, those aren't real like they're not the real people real numbers to, to, yeah we've talked what, about what's that. important to know is like there could be one on youtube who has a hundred thousand subs and makes no money and there's another guy with five thousand subs who makes a living off of them because those five thousand people are buying merch each and every single one of them you don't want a bunch of fans you want a bunch of fans with money if my entire fan base is four-year-old children with not a dime in their pocket then i'm <laughs> four-year-olds are watching your comedy i all their parents are getting cps calls and no my kid. yeah i love you yeah. but those parents are also not taking them to the show cousins. hold on a sec there's a handful of murphy cousins aaron in our generation no one talked poo poo on you and you know i would never mm -hmm. let that happen there's only a handful of us so well, at least in our cousin. age bracket we're like the one day I'll have to explain this to you. Like we're a very interesting dynamic. Um, and I'm actually, you know, it's been said many times on the show. I'm five foot eight, Drew. I am the shortest person, male or female, on that entire side of the family. Oh wow. Every single one of my cousins is at least five nine or better. <laughs> at least some of their or better. Yeah. <laughs> it was so bad. Now, you want to talk about a, a, a dark humor joke? It was so yeah. bad when I was a kid, and I've told this many times on the show. It was so bad when I was a kid that my parents took me to a geneticist because they thought that I something was wrong with me. They were like, he's short. See? He ain't growing. Oh, you ready? You ready? What's that say? 5'8 <laughs> isn't even that. You're, you're comparing it. To like a bunch of like taller people, five eight's not that bad. That's like this I can't. I think woman. that's national average. Like, like Air, I've watched Erin standing in the hall of schools, like with her students, and she's like leaned down on them, and they're all like six foot, six two. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm also, and, and here's the thing: I'm also the youngest of all of them at forty five. Everybody else is is older than me, so it was always yeah. like. I want to hang out with everybody. And they're all like, fuck you. You're like, get away. The run of the litter. But they all got all big like, feet too. Yeah, well, you also smell like farts. Well, yeah, by the yeah, way, two to go back on the YouTube topic. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, please. Uh, so what you can expect from the channel, I'm, it's I'm Vice treating. It's Vice City on YouTube. Yeah, Vice City is a channel. Great name. I don't know how the fuck I got it. I still, I still am thinking that I'm like I'm gonna get an email saying that it was a mistake or something because I honestly have no clue how I got it. But that's the YouTube okay. channel right now. I have zero subscribers, but what you can expect to see, which I'm putting a lot of quality, I'm buying over two thousand dollars worth of cameras. 
and oh, microphones and stuff like that. I'm I'm investing my own money to have editors professionally do this uh, and work together as a team because I'm I'm going to learn the basics of editing so I know what I'm looking for, but I don't have the time to learn master editing while I'm making videos because I want them all to be good quality. But what the stuff, the type of stuff you're going to see is, um, I, I worked a long time as a nightclub promoter. So we're going to do a lot of stuff in nightclubs in Miami, a lot of the Miami lifestyle on boats and stuff. You're going to see gorgeous women. I'm going to show people how to actually Dude. walk up to gorgeous women, get 15 of them that you've never met before off of the beach and take them to a nightclub and get a $10,000 table for free and party your ass off where it would normally cost you 15, 20 grand to do that. And you would have to meet all these girls. I'm literally going to show people how to do this from beginning to end. I'm going to have sand of clips. We're going to do really original prank ideas that, that uh, I have a bunch of people working on. Uh, it's going to be a mix of a lot of things plus vlogging in between, but it's going to be a lot of that, like, super exaggerated Miami lifestyle, a lot of fun, just a lot of jokes constantly going around. Uh, me and my friends just always, we well, do this anytime we're walking around in, in public and stuff. We, we see people, we say things, we fuck with people all the time. It's going to be all good. Once we get the money, I, I, I want to do like, you know, just randomly walking into car dealerships and buying people's cars and stuff. Like I want to be able to do that stuff once I get the money to. So it's going to be, it's going to be one of those big channels. We're putting the effort behind it. We're treating it like a business. We have a business plan written out and we're all following it. I have four or five people that are going to be characters on the channel as well. And they're, um, they're, everyone has their role and everyone's playing it. And, uh, and we will take three to five weeks shooting one scene, one film just to get it right. Like, I don't care. I'm a stickler when it comes to quality, when it comes to stuff like that, like I am, so big on form and quality and everything being done right and the way I see it that I will take my time. I will dump all of my savings into making sure that it's something a, comes out the way I believe it should. The less is more type of guy. I'm less is more as long as that less is perfect. Like I, I don't like Keith has the opposite version of me. Like a rush down. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keith, Keith does the opposite where he's like, I'm just going to, anything I see on TikTok, I'm just stitching funny. it. He's like, he's like, the the next thing I see, whatever it is, I'm going to stitch this one and just throws it up. I he's thought like, about actually doing a day. video of that. Like, I could <laughs> which, go through reels on Instagram, man. I make 10 funny videos in 10 minutes. I promise. Which it does make sense views. for a certain level of algorithm yeah, and stuff like that. Probably 100,000. See, that's a whole thing that we, at some point, we're going to have to talk about. So, I love, if you didn't see him, and Keith's seen him, and, and, and I love Keith, because at least he likes my stuff, because out of sympathy. But I like you. I like, like, I love that statue um, filter on TikTok. Uh-huh. You yeah, really do. I, I know you do. <laughs> me. This is the most amazing thing ever. And my wife's like, my son looked at it the other day, goes, why did you make Julius Caesar French? And I went, I don't know. Oh, shit oh, oh, oh. oh I know you, you are all stinky Americans listening to you. <laughs> like you. This is crap. And I love it. But so, I, Keith will tell you, I'm the guy that goes, well, I'm making a video about this. The algorithm should be this. And he goes, Murph, you suck at this. 
I've never seen anybody be more naturally wrong about an inclination. I can't. I'm not good at it. Yeah. I'm talented. I'm going to tell you right now, and I firmly believe this, and I don't give a shit what anyone says. You should. Joe Rogan's not talented. He is in his way of being a kind He's of talented a, in a lot a of listener. things. Listen to me. I watch him on the hunting shows. I love Meat Eater, the hunting show. That's where he gets all of his, like, eat elk and eat this animal and that animal. Listen to me. You know what he is? He's a Hungry. big son of a gun. Who? Well, hold on, because it depends what we're talking about. He's been doing comedy for 30 years, and he's a his black belt. Amazing. I used to love his he, stand-up. He's also a black belt in jiu-jitsu under Eddie. Thank you. Bravo. And it took him most 11 story. years to go from... It took him eleven years to go from brown belt to black belt. I guarantee you, and and I, I I'm, I'm a black belt him. in taekwondo. I got guns. <laughs> I, I'm black belt in taekwondo. I've seen his kicks. He has technique. So it depends what we're talking about. Specifically. Oh yeah, yeah. So no, he no. is talented. And hold on. Something. I'm not fighting him. I'm. I, I am so shaming him. You know. You know what it means to shame somebody. You ever watch Walking no. Dead? Game no. of Thrones, shame, shame. Seen shame, it a couple shame, times, but shame somebody in Walking Dead is when you shoot them in the knee and let the zombies eat them, oh, so you can get away. Oh, okay. That's shitty. That is shit. Oh, you got to see it. Shane does that to a guy. He like shoots him in the knee and then runs off. But such a shame. But from a, and this is what I mean. From a podcast standpoint, I think I, I'm every bit as good as he is. I just don't take uh, DMT or eat pure elk meat. Or, or any of this. Hey, other. Well, you never tried it either. Also, I mean, you can really expand also, your horizons. You yeah, I mean, if you want to go through it, you also weren't there, like it, being like the originator of podcasts. You don't have two thousand oh, yeah. done, like the, um, originator of podcast, the biggest guest Kevin of Smith. all time, Kevin Smith. Kevin of course, Smith, yeah, but I, I'm saying like of mainstream podcasting. Um, he wasn't and, either. Like, yeah, I think he was, was not the first one to really take off. Like there's none, there's no. none at that big of a level. And it did maybe, one. and I'm ignorant because no. I don't know, I don't know. But I'm I'm thinking from the the views of like the mainstream audience of not people who are like super into podcasting, just people who like casually watch. I think he's the big name when you think of podcasting. He's a he's, big name because he had a TV platform to promote him. Uh, well, also, but before that, he TV was, plus UFC plus comedy. I mean, he does like five different things at once. So, thank you. Yeah, one of those I things mean, is bound to be a home run. Listen yeah, to me. I'm not shit. fighting his thick neck ass. I'm not fighting him. I learned what air superiority means. Carpet yeah. bombing. Yeah, I hate carpet. Um, but no, what I'm oh. saying is, is, but and the reason I bring that up is, is I actually do listen to his show and I do find him entertaining. And he does have the ability to get to some really amazing guests. So, but the two of you have another talent. And, and I, I know I keep saying I want to put a bow on this thing, but the two of you have a really amazing talent for your social media platforms that, uh, that are impressive. And Keith, my cousin Aaron, wanted to let you know that she's smoking also. Um, you are know, smoking, girl. I would be smoking if I didn't have COVID. Matter of fact, I should take it down. This is dark humor and so uncomfortable. But but how do you have you how do you get your your 
I hate to say message because that just sounds stupid. But uh, how do I put Keith into everybody's eyes? Right. Like, like I keep telling Keith, he just needs to do all my posts for me. Dibs will make the post. Keith will go ahead and post it for me and put the right stuff in there. And then I guess I gotta get Drew to go ahead and say something about the shit so that all of you will come out well, and listen. Ask but <laughs> ask Keith ask Keith what happened when I first created a TikTok with zero followers. Well, you like, would you have like eleven thousand downloads or some stupid shit like oh, that? Oh, there's more. My, my first video ever on TikTok in 30 minutes. I had zero followers. I had just made it and then I posted a video and it wasn't even good quality. I just wanted to post and I didn't think anything of it of it. But like if I could go back in time, I would have posted like more recent clips or just better clips, uh, better audience reaction and, and me not trying jokes for the first time. Like I, I have a bad habit of just like wanting to post these jokes so quickly because I'm, I have pride in them. But my first ever post on TikTok, I have zero followers, zero posts. I'm following zero people. Brand new account. I just made it. I make a post. Nothing happened. And then in 30 minutes, I have 80,000 views in 30 minutes. And then it gets deleted for hate speech. My joke was, and I stand by it to this fucking day. It's one of my favorite jokes that I've ever written because it's fucking smart and it's dark as hell. And so my joke was, did you know, and this is true. I worked with a bunch of Orthodox Jews. So I know this to be a fact that if you're Jewish and you have a single tattoo on your entire body, they will not allow you to get buried at a Jewish cemetery. Absolutely. I guess that's why every Jew with a tattoo on their wrist got cremated. And so that's the joke. It got me in trouble. But then I post another joke, and that one is still online. That one's the one where I go, you know, I just recently broke up with my girlfriend uh, because she kept gaining weight. And I know that makes me sound like an asshole, but in my defense, I'm not ready to be a father. Yeah. That one got... That one's still on TikTok. It has like 230,000 views. I have another one that I did a Kobe Bryant joke. And that one got like 60,000 views. So like Kobe. these things all climbed up. And then I had a couple others that were like climbing really high up. And they all got deleted. I have like seven or eight that got deleted. So now I'm completely shadow banned. Um, but that's when I realized that there, there's an audience for this. Shadow bans a whole thing in and of itself. Yeah. Well, it's, that's what happens piss off the algorithm. Yeah, yeah. He will teach them off the algorithm. He teaches me about it all I, the time. I piss them off big time. So with me, it, it's it's, but but I learned because I also got some things deleted on Instagram, and now I know that I can hook people in with some somewhat dark jokes and pretty dark jokes for the average audience. But if you like that, then come see me live. I, I'm giving you a reason to pay for me because what I say on stage is 10 times. They will not allow me to put this on social media. I will get in trouble if I put this on social media. So if you want to hear like no holds bards, come pay and see me live. And uh, and that's where you're really going to get it. So it almost works in my favor because I'm going to post some some somewhat taboo stuff for the average public. But the really out, no, outlandish, won't. crazy shit, that's going to be live. And you now you have to pay for it. Oh man! Oh shit! Where am I still here? The You're fuck? Still there. Oh, Aha. I wanted to see if something worked. This oh. was a moment. <laughs> this was a moment of me playing with. I got uh, confused, Sean. So, all right. So this is a COVID dab for you, for the boys. Oh, oh! oh before right before now? you end it, hold on uh, a second. I had, My man has, has got COVID, and he's COVID dabbing. dabs, baby. 
Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, but that will do. Someone mentioned that, that Keith was smoking and then someone else was smoking and now I feel left out. And so I'm taking a COVID dab for the Peer boys. What are, we, what are we working with? What are we working some, with? Some live resin. Oh, I'm so not. I, I'm not that guy. Sean, I, uh, oh, no, never mind. Uh, I'll mute my mic so you don't hear the fucking torch, but keep talking. Is that what oh. you use as a torch? Hold on. Leave the yeah. torch going. Leave it going. Open your fucking... Stop being soft. This is how to smoke crack cocaine with Drew, the comedian. You got it muted, Drew. Can I unmute you? I can't unmute him. I took some lessons from Drew. Oh, oh, step by step shit. Hold on a second. Wait a second. Maybe my cousin is smoking what I thought she was smoking. Maryland, that shit's legal in. Hell yeah. What up? This is Miami. It's uh, not legal. (laughs) It's not legal, but it's not... It's not Black legal Italy. in Florida. It's legal medically, but like you're you're crazy if you're gonna go get a medical card because medical shit is garbage. I can get way better shit off the street and way cheaper. Hey, I got a great story from one of my buddies getting a medical card. He went up to Garky. Michigan. He went up to Michigan whenever um, they first started legalizing it medicinally, and he told us we went in and actually to the waiting room together, and I heard him say this. He's the doctor comes in and said, what's wrong with you? And he said, I got these growing pains, doc. We were 19 and 20 years old. And the doctor, I swear to God, looked at him and said, son, nobody needs to live like that. And just wrote it out for him. And we got stoned to shit and took our happy asses back to Kentucky. Yeah, what'd you think? You actually needed glaucoma? Like, no, dude. Growing pains. <laughs> yeah, man. You can literally say anything. I know. Be like, uh, like, it hurts when I don't smoke weed because I like weed. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll give it to you. I sometimes get anxiety thinking about flying on an airplane. Also, I'm going to cough like a motherfucker because I'm sick. But, well, that's uh, what I'm about to say. You have, a, you, you have a lung disease that's killing people, and you are about to put that shit in there. Yeah, and I just had, and I just had surgery on my nose as well because uh, I've gotten it broken so many times. And I also have many times. Hold on a sec. Did we have our nose broken so many times because of dark humor? How do you break no, something? No, no, no. I've never actually. I've never <laughs> gotten into a fight from comedy. He talked um, about Joe Rogan. That was a big Joe Rogan thing. Was he used to do his comedy, and people would be like, "Hey man, you can't say that." And he'd be like, "Look, bro, back off." And people would like come at him. Oh, I'm Joe Rogan. Up. I'll kick you in half. Right, like like Joe's a bad dude, but I'm still a better podcaster. Well, see, Joe's got this amazing like skill of not ever giving up, even when everybody's telling him what he's doing is a stupid thing. Well, I remember watching him on radio. Uh, what was it? Uh, radio watching TV? him on radio. What the hell was the name of that show he was on? News radio is what it's News called. News radio, thank you. It was actually a good and, show. Uh, and that's that's what made Joe Rogan so successful with podcasts is that so many people told him when he started it, you're fucking retarded. Um, and he just kept doing it. And he literally in his first podcast didn't even have sponsors, didn't have any views, and just kept getting better at it. And then it now was Red Band, wasn't it? Yeah, and now he gets a hundred million dollars a year on, on just the Spotify deal, not even the sponsors on top of that. So like I thought that I thought the Spotify deal was thirty million. Hundred million. 
that's where I hundred million, and that's not including the sponsors that Spotify still allows him to have. Plus, he has his YouTube channel where he can post mm. clips of the podcast, which that's, has like not, ten million subs on his YouTube channel. So like, that motherfucker, that's more than Bucky some, money. Yeah, yeah that, there's at least a hundred fifty, a hundred sixty million dollars coming from that podcast annually. See, that's where I need to be. Yeah, we'll get we'll get you there, Sean. Don't forget about me though. Well, you look, I always, I always tell all my guests this, and I've had some pretty, uh, pretty famous Hollywood. Uh, Neil DeMonte does his own thing in Hollywood. He's been there for he 20 does. years. All these different people's Emmy Award winners. And I'm going to tell you this, Drew. Same thing I told Keith. When you get your first red carpet walk, I just want to be your plus one. I got you, bro. I got I you. Plus one. I'm flaky. You Easy. Are. I I would probably <laughs> do some. I would need someone there anyways to film because I'm gonna probably do some wild shit at the red carpet. Like I'll literally be like, I'll be fucking people, with people and shit. Holy shit! Is that Drew? He's got Pitbull filming. <laughs> <laughs> so so we got Drew the at Drew the comedian on uh yeah. Instagram on Instagram Vice City Vice the, YouTube channel, the YouTube channel the YouTube channel coming. We're hoping we're praying for December. But okay. we, we really want to take our time, quality over quantity. And I know that the YouTube algorithm is really strong on um, – it's, it's, it's big on a lot of things, but it's big on consistency. And so we're going to be dropping a video every single week, same time, same day of the week, every single week. So in order to do that, I don't want to be putting out bad content just to come out with videos. So I'm going to take my time, film 10 at least have them already uploaded and ready and on private. And then I'm going to make them public at that time, at that day. I don't know if it's going to be a Monday, a Tuesday. It's probably going to be something in the beginning of the week because I just think that that's when people like need stuff to watch. Um, uh, so something like that, but we're, we're taking our time with it so we can have 10 videos and we don't have to play catch up. We're just shooting videos for the future from then on. So we're, but we're shooting for December. It's a it's it's a it's a optimistic goal, but December January we should have content actually going up on YouTube. And I'm if if you guys know any editors, if you guys know any, uh, I, I I've I've spoken to a couple people. I'm building a team, so I'm I am paying for work because I understand how important it is to be an artist and get paid. Whether it's it's just a little bit, some sort of appreciation for your work, but. Yeah, like I, I fucking did was I didn't even ask him to do like half the shit he did, and he was like, send, yeah, he was sending me shirt ideas and shit. I sent him twenty five bucks this morning because I understand like what it is to be an artist and like you got to give back to art. That so like I completely, and and it means a lot to me that someone would do that for me. So I I'm I'm a very giving and I'm a very loyal person. If you got my back from the beginning and you believe in my vision and you trust in me, reach out to me. I will pay you for your work when i can pay you more and when i can do more for you and when this thing scales and grows i'm gonna get you a fucking tesla for your birthday and you with 50 grand cash in it like it, it's gonna be big i trust me i have this vision and i i know it's gonna be big i know that like when i post my TikToks and i got millions of views there's a market for what i do i know and that and there's an audience you, out there hold on a sec you had over a million views on TikTok and never showed your boobies no, never showed my boobs, didn't do any stupid ass dances, just told jokes 
on videos that I didn't even like, I just posted them up there to have something to post. And, and I got a million views in a week. Most of it's deleted now. There's still like 300,000, 400,000 uh, views on my TikTok, but most of it's like all, all private now because it's deleted. But I got all that with zero previous following, anything like that. And so I know that there's a demographic and a market for what I do. Now I'm just going to do it smart and I'm going to uh, just take my time with everything I do and I'm going to produce quality. But and just like that, we lost Drew. It was great that Drew was going to produce quality. Like, I, we lost him. I don't yeah. know what just happened. He died, Sean. That's what Drew happened. He died. Uh, so, well, at least, so let's blue. talk about you and my cousin Aaron here for a minute. I'll yeah, watch. I know some people. If I think if I think you are funny enough, I will put you in contact with a few people. See where it goes. See, like, like Drew's like way close to the con. Look, now we got him. We ah. lost. Yeah, I don't know Drew, what happened there. You were like way into it, like you were so high. But my cousin Aaron, I know, there's no people. Like I have a weird family. That's a whole conversation. So we got where we can find you. We know where you can find you. We're gonna make this happen, Aaron. Drew, I appreciate that. There's another me, one that me, I put on the uh, red carpet. I put you on the red carpet list, bro. Everybody that comes on here, I tell them the same thing. When you hit it big, I Remember just want to walk one red carpet. I'm not. I'm not gonna forget. Son. Listen, I'm not going to forget about Uncle Sean. I got you. Look, Uncle, fuck, I'm 20 years old. Are you? I guess I am my uncle. I could be old enough to be your dad. <laughs> uncle Sean. Where's your mom? <laughs> old Shunkle. <laughs> I have been in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, my Let me talk to you my dad was here. probably in the Marines at the same time as you were. Come to it, think he of probably it. was. Now that you mention it, uh, let me talk to you a minute here. Let me tell yeah. you about your daddy. Let me get this yeah. voice real deep. You definitely outranked him because he was constantly getting in trouble for shit. So oh look, God, those are the look. There used to be a saying in the Marine Corps that Chesty Puller, the most well decorated, most well known yeah. senior Marine in all of the, the Marine animal, Corps, yeah, it would Brigadier never be able to survive in today's Marine Corps. Uh so and Chesty yeah, was, was shot like eleven cousin. times or some shit, like. Well, Chessie Puller's like the coolest thing about Chessie Puller ever was during, uh, I believe it was the Korean War. He walked out of a tent and somebody was like, we're completely surrounded. He's like, okay, now we know where the enemy is. That solves that problem. <laughs> like, how fucking badass are you? Like, and yeah. I've, I personally have never known any Marines, but I've heard plenty of stories where when he lived in DC before he passed away, that Marines used to just go and knock on his door and be like, I'd like to meet General Puller. And his wife would open the door and they would come in and they would sit and talk to General Puller. I can't even explain to you as a Marine what that would be like to sit down with Chesty Puller and just <laughs> say, thank you. It'd be like a Buddhist sitting down with a Dalai Lama. Like, is he still alive? It would be that equivalent. Chesty Puller passed no. away in the, in the late yeah. 80s, early 90s. Oh. I'm not even a Marine, but hearing the stories from my dad, I know I know what a deity Chesty is. And what a badass also. Like, right. not only, like, is he looked up to, but he deserves it. All of it and probably more. Like, you know, but I did want to say one thing. Uh, Aaron, okay. you said you're going to look at my comedy. Keep an open mind. It is dark. We've been speaking about that. Wide open. It's fucked up. But 
idea. It's well done. It's well written. If you know anyone you can put me in contact with, I'm always down to network. If it's a bigger name, I will open for them for free. I don't need the money. I I make good money on my job and I have side hustles as well, like club promoting and stuff. So like I, I will go fly out to LA to open up for someone for free. I, I want to grow what I'm doing and I believe in what I'm doing. I'm not looking for pennies right now or anything like that. Uh, let me network. Let me let me work my magic and stuff like that, and and I'll grow and I'll get about. paid for the fruit of my labor later. Yeah. So I'll get the money later. I will tell you, Drew. Look through my Instagram and look up Scott Edwards. Um, I'll put you in. Scott remind Edwards. me. Don't let me forget. I will. I will no, send I you an email and I will put you in contact with Scott Edwards. That's the. That's my comedy guy. That's my Thanks. like doing 300 downloads r scott edwards uh is doing 300 downloads a week on his podcast he does a lot of like uh already pre-done shows that comedians have done and then rebroadcast but he also talks to some of those guys he just knows a lot of folks uh so we have and, and ask keith keith has heard keith has heard a bunch of my jokes that i don't even have filmed yet like i have some stuff that's just like like my my stuff I have posted looks bad in comparison to it because everything I write is just getting better and better. And I'm uh, I've been writing for four or five years, but I've only been performing for two on stage, not even. And so I I took a lot of time to write before I ever got on stage, mainly because I was a pussy. But once I got on stage and realized that there's actually a market for what I'm doing. I literally, I, I hit the floor running. And so there's a lot of stuff. Like I, I can literally do 30 minutes of solid material if someone needs me to. So I, I will work with any comedian if, as long as I, you know, benefit from it in just exposure. I don't need the money. I just want exposure. I'll get my own money later. Nice. Well, look, this is definitely one of those shows that can go on forever. And that's for the reason sure. why shows they can. We'll just have keep to do a part two sometime. We will definitely do a part two. But do it. Um, everyone needs to go find Drew at at Drew the comedian. Everyone needs to go find Keith at Keith Burr on Instagram. Um, the Facebook is God. You changed it again, didn't you? What's the fuck? Yeah. It's it's probably Keith Burr. It's still Keith Burr, but. Um, Keith is Keith is like my undercover podcast brother uh, from another mother in another country. It's Kentucky. It's another life. You know, Keith, Keith ranks in like the top five. He's in my top five. Like if it, we were in the circle, you know, when you used to have the circle of people you could. You, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Keith. My space. Keith. That, that's my space and T-Mobile. Yeah. T-Mobile. <laughs> yeah. Top five. Keith would be in my five. We'll keep keeping. Hell yeah! Thank you, Sean. Uh, and Aaron loves your confidence. I love my cousin Aaron. Uh, she is on it tonight. But um, Joe Rogan's got always, money. You said on it. So, as always with us, folks, if you were listening to this and you're watching the show, which I appreciate you watching, take your phone out, open up your podcast app. If you don't have a podcast app already on your phone because you're using an Android phone. <clears throat> Uh, make sure you go ahead and download a podcast app like Google Podcast and make sure you're subscribing and following the Above the Bar podcast. If you're going on to Instagram, make sure you take that moment. You go on to Instagram, you look up 
the Above the Bar podcast. Once you find me, you'll find at Drew. You'll find Keith Burr. You'll find all of us on there. I'm going to have to beat my cat up here in a minute. He's trying to get beat into my pussy, comic yeah, book rack. Um, make sure you yeah, take him. And this podcast is way better than Keith's. Yeah. So. Keith, you, can, you know. Well, Keith, Keith may end up being my co-host. We'll see what happens. Uh, we just got to get him like a good camera and a good location. Ain't happening. All right, fuck it. Yeah, uh, and then anywhere you know, as always, we're on Twitter at at the above the bar four four one two three four. And then our email. If you like this, you have something that you want me to go ahead and talk about. You have something that you would like me to promote. I'm cheap. I'll do that shit for free. The email is, I know. Well, you know, some of us are expensive whores and some of us are cheap whores. Yeah. Either way, you're still what? Whore. There you go. I knew it. Rogan started with dick pills. So, all right. All about the. I got to. Before we jump out of here, I just wanted to say the above the bar podcast at gmail.com. What did you want to say? Oh, Drew don't know what the fuck he's talking about. I got a great podcast. All right. He's been on a couple times, you know. <laughs> maybe he's it bringing it down. And, <laughs> and I haven't been on the one with Paul yet, but I I, I do want to get on that one. I, I got plenty of gay jokes for Paul. Oh, Paul's not in it anymore. It's all me. Oh, he's now. not? Um, yep. He, oh, okay. He said that um, he had some, like, obligations comedy-wise. You know, he is really getting a lot more exposure and attention, which, you know, I can understand. I wouldn't want to do some podcast either if I, if I were him and I'd focus on that fully, but this is like my baby. It's uh, called cross examination. It's on literally every platform and um, it's, it's fun. It's um, pretty much just me grilling the shit out of people for 10 episodes with my, with my co-host Paul. We're considerably, considerably inconsiderate to a bunch of people uh we just look at the episode titles if you give it a chance like that should be enough to hook you in i write all that shit i i do the editing and um now it's me i've got a bunch of guest comedians uh guest hosts coming up soon and it's it's good I'll I'll be be something I, yeah he will if you act right and uh if it's just <laughs> you know it's something i'm proud of like you know, i actually listen to it myself it's a good I podcast i i yeah I've jumped on there without even being on on the podcast, so uh, that takes a lot yeah. to do. And and Sean, Sean, honestly, I, I said it earlier that he's one of the most professional podcast hosts I've ever worked with. Uh, and Absolutely. I've done quite a few podcasts, but this is this guy's on his shit. Like this guy's gonna blow up. He's really, really, really. He takes this shit seriously. Anyone else? I would have canceled because I was feeling absolutely horrible before starting this shit. But Sean calls me and I take a Xanax and a dab and I'm good to go. <laughs> Xanax and a dab and we all feel better. We could end all war. Xanax and a dab. That's a good way. That's a and good I think way that's a it. great way to sign off. Yeah. All right, that's Keith, a great way to sign off. Word, I appreciate Keith. you having me. Keith, last what's word. your last words, brother? Something cool. All right. And as as the guest there, uh, Drew, you get the final word. What is it? You want me to end it with a joke, or you can end it with whatever you want. You get the final word, brother. You got sure. All right, let's end it with a joke. This one's one I'm working on right now. It's it's not finished, but you guys are gonna get some behind the scenes footage. And before I say this, because people are gonna definitely tune out. Do not log off after I close this.
We got bar stacks, oh, okay. bitch. All right, I'll stand. Um, so this is some behind the scene information. I have this on film, so nobody can steal the joke. So it's already on film. Uh, but this is the one I'm working on. Um, follow me at Drew the Comedian because I know people are gonna hang up after I say this joke because it's terrible. But uh, I don't know why there's a huge debate in this country about civil rights. Like, of course, black people have rights. Of course, black people have rights. They have the right to remain silent, the right to an attorney. All right, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> I love that one. Uh, yeah, you told me that one the other day. Like, this has been an Earplug Podcast <laughs> presentation. Found on EarplugPodcast.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found.